Glad you're here. About two years ago, my wife Jackie and I decided to open our home to a little, little four-year-old named Alex. And uh, Alex, he kind of had a rough go of it. We were his 12th house within a span of about a year. This little four-year-old had been through a lot. Rough stuff, family stuff, addiction, all kinds of things that we don't even really know much about. But this little four-year-old, he uh, wasn't potty trained yet and uh, had some, a lot of behavioral stuff. He, he was kind of an angry little guy, and rightly so. We opened our home two years ago, and we learned a whole lot. You see, Jackie and I, we have two grown children. So we got this parenting thing. No problem. You know, we should have no problem with a little four-year-old. We've been down there before. We got a little boy. We're good. We had no idea of what the nine months that we had Alex would be like. This little guy was, had, a, had a rough deal in his life, and we got a chance to, to love on him, to show him, a, give him a place that's safe, let him have a, have a place to land. We got him into a preschool. We, we got him potty trained. And in the process of having Alex, we had a lot of tears. We had a lot of frustrations. But man, that, that little boy, we, we just wanted to love on him. There was a, a couple of pretty tense moments in having him. Uh, one of them resulted in, in Jackie breaking her finger. And in fact, it's still crooked today. But it's like a reminder, right? When you open yourself up like that, you, you open yourself up to love someone. Sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you, you have to struggle. It's been two years now. I haven't talked a lot about it, but I can tell you that Jackie and I really aren't the same people after having Alex with us for nine months. We learned so much about ourselves. We learned a lot about families and dysfunction. We learned a lot about the foster care system and how difficult a job those caseworkers have. I don't know that we'll ever be brave enough to do that again, but thankfully, Alex is with family in Alaska and apparently doing, doing okay. And if we had some part of that, we're very, very proud of that. What Jackie and I did two years ago, in a sense, was to open our lives up to disruption. Now, disruption is something that sometimes we do ourselves. You know, it could be a bad choice we made. It could be something like opening your home to a, a person like Alex. That's a, that's a choice you make, right? But other kinds of disruption are things that happen to us. And those disruptions can be negative. You know, a, a loss of a marriage, a betrayal, you know, loss of a loved one. COVID-19, all of these, 
are, are disruptions, right? And they can be negative. Now, disruptions can also be positive if we want to look at it that way. I mean, you fall in love, you know? Clear the schedule. I'm in love, right? That's a, that's a good disruption. Winning the lottery, that's a disruption that some of us would, would, would like to try at some point. But disruptions can, can happen in a positive and negative light. But the thing is, once disruption happens, we're never really the same. There are things that we learn in disruption that we probably wouldn't have slowed down enough to learn otherwise. Disrupted, being disrupted means literally to be broken apart, to, to have the normal course of things thrown off course. And, and for many of us, we've been thrown off course for the last four to five months. Nothing's been normal. Even our gathering here, whether you're online or in person, we got masks on, we're trying to be safe, and our lives have been radically, radically disrupted. And disruption is not just, you know, a, a left turn or a slight inconvenience. Disruption is a major upset in the normal. And the question is, how do we navigate situations beyond our control? How do we, how do we in a healthy way, survive disruption, but not just survive, how can we thrive? when we've been disrupted. And that's, that's what we're doing today. We're starting a series that we're calling Disrupted. Because whether it's COVID-19 or some other major life thing that's happened in your life, disruption is, is, is inevitable. And, and when we're disrupted, is there a way for us to navigate and survive it, but, but not just survive, thrive? And is there a way that faith in Jesus is there a way that, that faith in Jesus can help us navigate situations beyond our control? I think the answer to both those questions is yes, absolutely. Well, my name is Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here with us, whether it's physically or, or online today. Glad you're joining with us today. We're going to be in this series for, for, for the next three weeks, today and the next three weeks. I hope you make plans to be with us, to, to journey with us. And either way, we're glad that we're, we're able to meet together. Look, we meet on Sundays for one big reason. And that reason is Jesus Christ. And the deal is, 2,000 years ago, he radically changed human history by rising from the dead on a Sunday. And so from that moment on, his followers, just like we're doing today, our regular rhythm is to meet on Sunday to remember the resurrection that changed not only the world, but our lives for many of us. And that's why we gather on Sunday. So we're glad that you're with us today as we start this new series, Disrupted. And today, specifically, we're going to be looking at when disruption happens and our priorities get all thrown asunder, how we can navigate those situations. So today's message is simply titled, Displaced Priorities. So let's pause and pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness, for your mercy that's new every morning. Lord, we lean in because we need some wisdom today even now, going through all that we're going through in the world, would you grant us wisdom? You promised to give us wisdom when we ask. So we're asking today, Father, you'd give us wisdom on how to navigate these times in life, these circumstances beyond our control when we're disrupted. Father, give us wisdom today as we call out to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible or a device, you probably knew already where I'm going to go in the scriptures today. But if you didn't, find Job chapter 1. If you're familiar with the story of Job, I, I can't think of a better character in Scripture 
that could give us maybe some insight on being disrupted. Job, we could say lots of things about Job, but he was absolutely disrupted. So find Job chapter 1. I'm going to actually be reading uh, for you, you, you nerds out there from a, uh, a, a kind of a recent translation called the Bible for Everyone. The Old Testament was, was uh, edited by a guy named John Golding Jay, the New Testament by N.T. Wright. And so this is a kind of modern scholarship here, and I'm going to read a little bit of Job chapter 1. And we're not going to read the whole chapter, but I encourage you to look at the story this week of Job. He was disrupted, and he just might have some things he might want to say in his, in his testimony to each of us. But Job chapter 1, let's start with uh, this first one here, and I'll read it down here. There was a man in the country of Uz named Job. That man was a person of integrity and upright, in awe of God and turning aside from what is bad. There had been born to him seven sons and three daughters. His acquisitions comprised 7,000 sheep. Pause there. It's a brave man to have that many sheep under his care. I think growing up we had a couple hundred head and we could barely keep those things in line. The 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. Now I think they spit, right? That's crazy. I don't know that I'd want camels, but he had 3,000 of them. 500 yoke of cattle, 500 she donkeys, (laughs) and a very large servant body. That man, listen to this, was bigger than all eastern people. So he's kind of a big deal. In his day and age, he had uh, quite a a span of animals, and I'm guessing that also includes land, because you got to put them somewhere, barns and all that good stuff. So if you know a little bit of this story, it really does kind of read like a Broadway play, a little bit. In fact, there there probably was a Broadway play, I don't even know. So you got this rich guy, he's doing pretty well, and we find out if we we keep reading there, that he had these kids, and they would, would, you know, have dinner parties or whatever, and, and, and Job was a man of prayer, and he would, he would make sure that he kind of covered his kiddos in prayer because he wanted to make sure they were not, you know, he thought, well, maybe they're, they're sinning or whatever, so I'm going to cover them, and I'm going to have these moments in the morning and evening, and I'll sacrifice and, and, and pray for them. So this man was not just a, a wealthy guy. He was also someone who seemed to honor the Lord and, and, and love the Lord. There was a connection that he had with God. And, and so here we have this rich man connected with God, Life should be good, right? That's a setup for life is good. You know, you're honoring God and and you're using your wealth for good things. End of story. Well, if you know the story, that's not exactly what happens. Well, let's let's read down a little bit more. So there there was one day when the divine beings came to take their stand with Yahweh. They're having a little powwow, apparently. And the adversary, too, came among them. Yahweh said to the adversary, from where do you come? The adversary answered Yahweh, from roaming the earth and from walking about on it. Okay, Uh, so Yahweh said to the adversary, have you applied your mind to my servant Job? Because there's no one like him on the earth, a person of integrity and upright and in awe of God and turning aside from what is bad. And the adversary answered Yahweh, is it for nothing that Job lives in awe of God? Have you yourself not hedged about him and about his household and about everything that he has all around? You blessed the action of his hands, and his acquisitions have spread throughout the earth. However, put out your hand 
please, and touch everything he has if he doesn't bless you to your face. So basically we have this adversary that comes in and says, well, test him. Take all of his, take all of his material possessions away and we'll see just how righteous he is. Now there's a lot we could unpack here. And theologians and scholars have had centuries to talk about this. There's all kinds of things we can unpack. But look, at the end of the day, Job was disrupted, right? He was. I mean, he was disrupted. Now, it's interesting when you read this down. Again, it, it, comes, it comes across almost like a Broadway play. But we've got to look at Job a little bit. And if you're not familiar with the story, I, I want to tell you some pretty key things here. And the first one is this. We've got to ask ourselves, okay, so he was disrupted pretty badly. What did he not do? when he was disrupted. And even when family encouraged him to sort of curse God, you know, lash out at God. He's the bad one. He took all your toys away. You know, he's bad God. Family was asking him to do that. And what does Job not do? He doesn't follow that temptation to curse God. He, he does not decide, well, God is evil and I'm done with him. Now, if you, if you know the story, it does have a, a happy ending. Can, you, can we say that? When you get to the end, spoiler alert, okay, so God does restore some of the things that was taken from him. In fact, I think he, he gets more than he had before he was disrupted, right? So I, I guess in that sense, it, it worked out Better for him? I don't know. That's, that's weird. He lost so much, right? So it's kind of bittersweet. He's, he's got, you know, maybe new family, but, it, okay, but he, there was still a loss there, right? But at the end, you know, he, he, he gets some, I guess he gets some sheep back. Maybe he rethought that. We don't know, right? But he was disrupted, and he didn't curse God, and later God restored some things. But we know, we know this, right? It doesn't always end that way. Right now, you think about it. Your lives, my life, people that we know, family members. When we're disrupted, it doesn't always have a happy ending. I mean, we, can we be honest there? It doesn't always have a happy ending. But we can learn from what Job didn't do. He didn't curse God. He didn't say, because God, you took all my toys away, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and pout. He does not curse God in this. But what did he do? And I think this is probably so important right now. If you forget everything else, this is so key. What did Job do when he had this horrible disruption happen to him? He didn't curse God, right? But what he did do was acknowledge the suffering. I don't know that we do that that well. Sometimes it's not Good. Job acknowledged he lost tremendously. And I think too often, we want to sugarcoat loss. We want to we minimize loss. We want to say, oh, it's not that bad. I think back to March and sometimes the reaction that even church leaders had to this COVID-19 thing. And you had some extremes going on. You had the people saying, you know, hey, you know what, just trust God, keep on smiling, 
we're going to get through this kind of rah, 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 just pray harder. And then you had the people that were doom and gloom, the sky is falling. We almost had two different extremes here of, of responding to this horrible disruption that we've all been in. I think it's important for us sometimes to stop when disruption happens and acknowledge that we have lost something. Look, folks, there are businesses that may not come back. There are churches that may not open their doors again. There are people that have lost their jobs and they may not get them back. And I feel like rather than sugarcoat it, rather than just push it off and say, let's not enter that, we need to acknowledge that loss has happened. We may not be back to a new, new normal ever. Can we pause sometimes and lean in and say this? We've lost something here. Job stops. I mean, he literally like sits down in the dust, right? And he's just realizing, as you read the story, he just sits down. In fact, you can say whatever you want about his seven friends that come. I'm spoiling it for some of you. But if you haven't read it, some friends, buddies come over, and they want to like chat with him for a while. But you know what happens when they first arrive on scene? They sat with him for seven days. When was the last time you went over to someone's house and didn't say anything for seven days? But like they, they sat with him. What are they doing? They're acknowledging the loss. We can learn from Job. Sometimes we've got to acknowledge the loss, but in the acknowledgement, you notice what, what Job still said. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. I'm suffering. Blessed be the Lord. Both of those realities can be true that we can suffer and he is still Lord. Because we may not know all the answers. And you know what? I'm not sure any of us could handle it if God laid out here's exactly what's going to happen. Can you imagine if you had that knowledge? It would mess you up, I think. We acknowledge the loss. I think that's important. Some of us have lost here. Look, I've suffered loss, okay? I, I, we can't do weddings. We can't, we, can't, you know, we can't even have a celebration of life for anybody right now. I did, a, I did a funeral like a month ago in the Dallas Cemetery and like the only people that were allowed to be there were less than 10 people. And like there was people from all over that are mourning but they can't be there to say goodbye. That's a loss. People have lost family members, lost jobs, lost income. They don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know what's going to happen with schools. We have lost. Sometimes we need to acknowledge the loss Say it. Acknowledge the suffering, but then bless the Lord. God, you got this figured out, but right now I'm, I'm hurting. Sometimes we acknowledge the loss. In fact, we just did a series called the, the book, through the book of Psalms, and we talked about the, the lament psalms. That there are more psalms of lament in the collection of psalms than any other genre or theme. Why is that? Because sometimes things are off and we know it, and we just want to tell the Lord, this is not right. Sometimes we need to just acknowledge the loss. I love what one scholar said about the book of Job. They said it this way. The very point of the book seems to be that even one of them, the highest moral character people can struggle with the ways of God in this world. Can we just say that? Sometimes we don't understand. But we acknowledge the loss and we bless the Lord. And that's, that's difficult, I realize, but man, don't, don't sugarcoat the loss. It's real. The, the struggle is real. And disruption, look, if you can fog a mirror today or fog your glasses because you have a mask on, you're going to have to deal with some kind of disruption. Hey, look, even beyond when we're done with whatever this is, when we're done with this COVID-19 thing, there will be other things. 
There will be other losses. There are other disruptions. Things you either chose or didn't choose. There's going to be disruptions. And the question is, how do we respond to those? Can we, can we pause sometimes long enough to acknowledge things are not right? Look, every human is going to have to deal with disruption at some point, like Job did, like you and me. And so here's the question. How do you handle being disrupted? Like if you were just to take stock today, and, and maybe, you know, maybe I should ask your spouse if they happen to be in the room, when things happen beyond your control, how well do you do? When plans change, when what you were going to do is totally thrown off. I mean, I, I think back to having this little four-year-old in our house and how many things just had to be done. We couldn't do them anymore. We had to rearrange things, rearrange our schedule, rearrange the house, rearrange you know, anything that could be thrown. Uh, we had to rearrange our lives. And the question is, how do you handle being disrupted? Do you handle it well? Or do you handle it poorly? Right? That's a, that's a big question. If we're all going to be disrupted, how do we handle it? I mean, do you, do you tend to be a person who minimizes problems? Do you tend to be a person who acknowledges problems? Do you, do you tend to be a person to say, well, I trust God even though I don't understand? Are you there yet with disruption? I mean, do you naturally move to seek the Lord? So here's your question. If you were to give yourself a grade right now, on how well you handle being disrupted. Anybody in here have an A plus? I don't see any hands. I can't see the online hands. But right now I'm not seeing any A pluses. Any any like C minuses out there? Any any barely hanging in there? You're doing okay, but you don't like this? Any D's or F's? Yes. Yeah, how we handle disruption? I mean, it's kind of a big deal. How we, how we handle, look, we're going to get disrupted and all of our priorities are going to be thrown out of whack, but you've got to ask the question, and really we're trying to do this in this series, we're asked the question, what does this make possible? I mean, many of us have had more time on our hands than we've had before. Many of us have had to hang out with our family more than we had ever before. What does this make possible? How is your relationship with the Lord? Like, how much prayer have you done? I mean, whether it be for people making decisions in our country, in our county, in our state, to praying for nurses that are having to go to work and be, be right on the front line. How's your prayer life? You see, I think when disruption happens, even like this, we should pause for a second and ask ourselves, what's going on? Right? Like, like Job did. I mean, he literally sat down in the dust and he had to kind of stock of life and priorities. And what have I, maybe we've been majoring in things that I shouldn't be majoring in. Maybe there are some patterns of my life that need to be interrupted right now that are not healthy. What does this disruption mean for us? You know, Job went from managing, you know, an empire to sitting in the dust picking scabs. I mean, wow. But he's taking stock. He's taking a pause. How have you been doing with taking a pause in the normal way of life and saying, okay, Lord, do you have something that you want to tell me? Have I been comfortable too long? Have I been pursuing things that really I need to rearrange? I don't know what it is for you. 
maybe you've been focusing on the wrong things. Maybe God needed to do something in your life to disrupt you so that you could reassess and reaffirm what's really important in life. Have you thought of it that way? I realize it's a different perspective, but what does this disruption mean? What could be different? And you might be there today. You might be sitting there today thinking, all of my priorities have been thrown out the window, and I don't know what to do. You know, I find that what has helped me in times like this is praying and shutting my mouth. You know, I, I went to Bible college and I learned how to preach a sermon. I learned how to study the Bible. I went to seminary and all these different things. And I thought I understood prayer. And as I've matured in the faith, I have realized that sometimes the most effective prayer times are times when I just shut this. I wonder if when we're, disru- when we're disrupted like we've been, if God is wanting to communicate something to us that we've just been so busy that we're not listening to. And I wonder if maybe that's for you this, this week. Maybe you could spend some time and you pray, but this time you shut this and you open these and you open your heart. What is God trying to tell me right now? You know, are my priorities just so out of whack and they needed to be interrupted? You know, there's always a couple ways to look at things, but what if we're disrupted and we need to take time to reassess and reaffirm what's really important? It's almost like maybe this is a moment for you where you just come back to keeping, what's the main thing, the main thing? What have I, what have I got to, you know, what, what do I got to do here? What, how can I re, re, reset my, my priorities and in, in what I've said is important? And, and these, are, these are just simple, practical things, but I think these could help. That when we're disrupted, it's time to reaffirm our priorities. And the first thing that I thought of is this, is that when we're disrupted, we just need at some point to focus on the basic stuff, right? There's all these kinds of things coming at us from all these different angles and all kinds of, uh, of news and, and, and noise out there. And when we're disrupted, Maybe it's time for us to come back to the, the basics, to focus on how am I doing? How's my health? Am I protecting my family? You know, am I protecting those who are vulnerable in my life? Am I making sure you know, I'm, I'm, eating, and I'm, I'm eating the right stuff and I'm, and I'm, I'm getting sleep? And I'm, we need to go back to some of those basic things because I think sometimes our, our priorities need to be disrupted. The way that we were doing things before, maybe that wasn't the healthiest thing. Maybe we could get back to some basics on our well-being, protection, making sure the important bills are paid. We need to remember sometimes that disruption can help us reassess the priorities that we've had. And the second thing is, and this is a big one, your walk with the Lord. Get back to basics and, and, and your walk with the Lord becomes so crucial. And what I mean by that is you actually build into the rhythm of your life time where you and the Lord are spending relational time together and scripture and and prayer and even the fellowship of believers in some way that we can do that. But these become crucial to us. And when we're disrupted, it's a good time to reassess what is our relationship with the Lord right now? You know, I say I'm a Christian or I say that I believe in Jesus, but like, does anything in my life line up with that? I mean, these are great moments for you to pause 
and assess what's really going on. You know, some people call this a chance to confront the brutal facts. And I think a lot of people right now would do well to confront the brutal facts. What's really true? What have been my priorities? Lord, maybe I need to listen to you on rearranging some of my priorities. So my big idea today was this, and and there's a great way to just kick off week one, is when we're disrupted, go back to the basics. Our well-being and our walk with the Lord. Those two things become crucial. Look, we're going to face disruption in this life. Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, what did he say? Some of you may know this. In this life you will have, it's a bad word, trouble. We don't like that word. In this life you will have trouble. But he says, he didn't end it there. He didn't say, in this world you'll have trouble. I'll talk to you later. He didn't end it that way. He said, in this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I love what Chip Ingram said a few years ago. Let me read this to you. Jesus knows what's happening in your life right now. He hears your cries and cries with you. But he also knows what is going to happen and how everything will turn out. He wants God to be glorified. He wants your faith to grow and the faith of all those who who are around you. God's purposes are bigger than fixing our problems or getting our lives to work out according to what makes sense to us. So take heart today that life with Christ is way bigger than that. Isn't that good? When we're disrupted, it's a great moment to pause and to get back to those basic things, back to trusting God. But look, He knows and He cares. That's what's so wonderful about the, the, the Father God that we meet in Scripture. He's not just this, this God who's distant and far away. No, He's intimately involved in our lives. In fact, when He sees difficulty, He cares. That's huge. He sees and He cares. And when we're disrupted, He wants to care even more in those moments for us to help us affirm our priorities. Look, I think if we can pause and get back to the basics, we can, we can navigate through difficulty. We can navigate through disruption. We can navigate even in uncharted territories. I want to, pr- I want to pray here in a minute, but let me just say this. If you're, you're someone new, brand new, whether you're online or physical here with us, and you, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, gosh, today would be a great day for you to do that. We would love to hear that that's your decision. And, and the decision is very simple. It starts by faith. Faith that God is who he says he is, that Jesus is Lord and his son, Jesus went to the cross for us, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and offered hope and new life and forgiveness. That's faith. It starts there. And then there's repentance. And that's the uh, kind of a Bible word. And all that means is that we were going our way. And our way was taking us down roads we didn't want to go. We had a sin issue. And we needed help. And so repentance is to turn from our sin and start following Jesus We call that repentance. Then confession is basically saying before everybody, I'm in. I want Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I'm in. And then we we literally put you all in. in baptism, which is the idea of being buried with Christ and then risen with Christ into new life. And you start walking the way of a Christ follower in community. Today we're going to celebrate a baptism. I'm so excited about that. We're going to do that in just a little bit. Diana's here with her sister Lisa. That's so awesome. 
glad that you're here to experience that. But look, if that's your decision today, we'd love to hear about that. So please let us know that. Let's pray together. Father, now we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness, for your mercies that are new every morning. It's so good to, to remind ourselves of that. Lord, you have called us to take a pause when we're in disruption and, and to, to lean into what's most important, that we keep the main thing the main thing. Father, help us to remember that when we're, when we're disrupted, that you still have a plan for us. And like Job, we don't need to curse you, but we acknowledge the difficulty and then, and then put you back on the throne room of our, of our lives. Father, help us to lean in in times of disruption to know that you still got it under control. Help us to trust you day in and day out. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.